Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I am one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in LaGrange, Georgia. And I am in the studio all by my lonesome today, with the exception of Aunt Rhonda, Leighton Parker, producer, director extraordinaire. You'll hear from her in just a second. My partner in crime, Adam Roberts, is off in Camp World, and look forward to getting him back here in a couple of weeks as he makes the transition from chaplain, campus minister at LaGrange College to pastor at the West Georgia Church and campus minister for the Wesley Foundation up in Carrollton, Georgia, at the University of West Georgia. So look forward, like I said, to getting Adam back here. And next week, you will have the Reverend Laura Neely leading you in catechesis. But this week, it's just this guy. Although I do want to bring Aunt Rhonda on real quick, Leighton Parker. Because what is an episode of catechesis without our weekly installment of Ask Layton. Layton, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. Fantastic. I was headed to a uh, little event we were having at Wild Leap Brewery on Sunday before the storms came through. Were, did you see those storms? Were you a part of those storms? I know you were out of... It was in Atlanta. LaGrange. They started in the, in Atlanta. I was driving. You were driving? Yes. That had to be stressless. Meh. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad? That's good. That's good. It, it was special here. But before that, we were going to Wild Leap, which is one of our local breweries here in town. We were having an event there, and it was scalding hot. It was, and it was, and it was humid. It was like one of those where, one of those days where you feel like you get out and just for a second and you sweat. And my kids, Louise and Sam, they were in the back seat, just ugh. Oh, why do we have to do this so hot? So hot. So I asked them this very question that I'm going to ask you. If you are going to say an event where you are partaking in some sort of beverage, Coca-Cola, iced tea, maybe hot chocolate, whatever it might be. And it was outside. Would you rather it be scalding hot? Like we're talking about 90 to 95 degrees with 100% humidity. So we're talking about it feels like it's 110 degrees. Would you rather that? Or would you rather it be freezing 
cold, and I'm not just talking about like a nice cold. Like, you know, there's there is such a thing as a nice cold. Like a like a nice cold is like a crystal blue sky, no wind, and it's still, you know, mid to high twenties, early thirties low 30s now this is like a cold where the wind just it's bone cold it permeates and penetrates any outer layer that you have on which of those two would you rather do probably hot really Mm -hmm. that's your thing i mean you would rather it be scalding Mm -hmm. probably yeah i feel like i need a like a why 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 would you rather it? Because cold is just painful. But so is hot. It's not as painful as cold. That's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I obviously, I think I'd have to go cold. Mm-mm. No. Because Louise, in all her seven-year-old wisdom, actually said, you can always wear more layers, Daddy. So leave it to my daughter to figure out not only which temperature she prefers, but how she would accessorize in said temperature. That's what my mom always says, which is why she keeps her house <laughs> 60 degrees. That is true. If you ever go to Aunt Rhonda's mother's house, i.e. Linus Parker, take a winter coat even in the month of July. I cannot advise that enough. Well, uh, that's interesting. I feel like that this would be a 50-50 split. I think some people, I mean, look, I mean, we're 50-50 here. I I would rather go cold. You would rather go hot. I, I, I bet our listeners, be they in LaGrange or Carrollton or 50-50. Anchorage or Kingston, Jamaica, <laughs> wherever people are listening to us here at Lewis 50-50. and Broad. 50-50, I guarantee it. Speaking of Lewis and Broad, if you want to listen to other podcasts of ours, go to our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're also at lewisandbroad.org. I asked that that temperature question. It felt like a natural segue into our scripture for the week. And that scripture is Genesis chapter 1. The very opening scripture of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 to 31 is where we will be focusing this week. But let me first, before I dive in there, let me just say something about what happened after that fateful storm Sunday night. And if you'll remember from our previous episode of Catechesis, The text last week was Noah, the end of the flood, and God set a bow in the clouds, i.e. a rainbow, as a sign of the covenant that God would never flood the earth again and that God would never be cut off from humanity again. Mother Nature put on a show on Sunday night. It was some kind of storm. In fact, very shortly after the recording of this podcast, I'm going to go back to my house and start picking up debris from said storm. Got limbs all over the place. 
and pine cones. Good Lord, I hate me some pine cones. But here's what happened after that storm. It was kind of crazy. It was like there was a wall of clouds that came in, storm, power out, all the things. Clouds moved away, and the sun came out on the backside of it, and the clouds were gold, just this unbelievable golden hue. And then right above our house, and again, this is on Sunday, so the morning of that storm, bow in the clouds was the text. I will never cut you off again, said the Lord. Right above our house, double rainbow. And my son was in awe. I mean, we all were, but my son was in awe. He was just like... That is unbelievable. I feel like that segues as well into a creation narrative because the question for the week, because we are doing a summer worship series called Children's Questions, First question was, are you actually real God? Second question, who are you, God? The third question that our children asked, why did you create the world, God? Why did you create the world? I feel like I could just sum it up by my son's reaction I think God created the world for moments like that. Standing on the front porch, looking at the wonder of it all, and saying, that is ridiculous how awesome that is. But we'll take a little bit of a deep dive into what's happening here in Genesis 1. Now, Genesis 1 is... The very beginning, obviously, of the scriptures, part of the this section of Genesis called the primeval accounts. You have two creation stories, one that goes from Genesis 1 through the very beginning of Genesis 2, and then another one that begins in Genesis 2. The one that begins in Genesis 2 is the more anthropomorphic version, the more narrative-based version, Adam, Eve, eating from the fruit, etc. That comes from what is called the Yahwist tradition. God in that tradition literally walks among the people. But then there is the version that we focus on for this week, Genesis 1 and the beginning of 2. And it comes from what is called the priestly account. 
And the priestly account is marked by a more formulaic, ritualistic, organized accounting of the creation. This is what we get. God says something. God speaks it into existence. And then God stands back and notices how good it is. This version of God is, let's be clear, in contrast to the theological scene of the day when this was all written, this, this God, this creation account is staunchly monotheistic. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. You could even say, as one of my seminary textbooks says, God is even a bit remote. God almost, it's almost as if God stands apart from creation, creates, looks upon it, and says, this is good. It's not to say that God creates and then starts the dominoes and watches and sees how things fall. God is involved in the creation of this new world. But it isn't in the same way as God is in the Adam, the Eve, the stories and that follow this Genesis 1 account. Where, as I said, literally God walks among the people. This priestly account of God speaks and it happens. With but a word, God creates. And, and it's a very orderly account. Light and darkness created. You have the separation of the waters. You have the dry land and the vegetation. You have the sun and the moon and the stars. You have day and night. You have creatures of the water and of the air. You have land creatures. And then human beings. Human beings as the pinnacle of the achievement. It is after the creation of human beings... where God stands back and sees everything that has been made and says, this is not just good, this is very good. And then that formulaic, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, the question is then, why did you create the world God. That was what one of our children asked. And it seems, at first glance, that God created the world because God wanted to. Because God chose to. Because God could. We have to remember what 
was at the very beginning of all this. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos. Darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. It was complete chaos. I love that translation. And God, in this account, decides to order it, to be in control of it, and to make something good out of it. Why? Because God chose to. One of my alma mater's great theology professors, his name is Shirley Guthrie. He wrote one of the foundational theological works, at least for my generation, called Christian Doctrine. And he said, look, we look at this scripture not as a means by which we determine exactly how creation was made. This isn't meant to be, although it has been interpreted as such, this isn't meant to be an, a description of exactly how creation, as we know it, came to pass. In six days, and God rested on the seventh. Really, it's a question not of how we got here, but more a question of why we are here. And why we are here is because God chose to, because God could. That's why God created the world. God, because God had the power to do something extraordinary. That is why we are here, because God chose to. Now, let me say a word about why we are not here. See, the problem is, is that people have all too often interpreted this language that we see in chapter 1, especially in verse 26, making humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over the wild animals of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And moving on into 27, God says to male and female, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Subjugation and dominion. Those words have been... taken well out of context here. They have been misappropriated as if that decree from God in Genesis chapter 1 
gives us permission to do whatever we want to the earth. In fact, there are those who have said, the reason I am not so much a fan of the faithful to say nothing of the fact that if you don't believe that the world was created in only six days, you are anathema. That's one different thing altogether. The other thing is that people have used Scripture to dominate the earth, to do with the earth what we will. That is not why we are here. We are not here to destroy. We are not here to dominate. The psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. Meaning, not only do we belong to God, but everything that we touch does as well. And if we do ill to it, and we are poor stewards of it, then we are acting contrary to how God would have us act. Not only that, if human beings are made in the image of God, well then what is the image of God that is placed forth here in Genesis chapter 1? One of creation. One of creativity. One who looks at creation and says it is good. Meaning that We, as humans, made in the image of God. God is not made in our image. It is the other way around. We are made in the image of God, which means that we, too, should create. We should act in the best interests of creation. It baffles me. when people do not see stewardship of creation as an extension of what it means to be a faithful person. We have to take care of that which we have been given. We don't spit in the face of the one who gives us this wonderful gift by destroying the very gift that has been given to us. That is not why we are here. So let us not fall into the trap, into the temptation that Genesis 1 gives us leverage to do whatever we want to the earth. That is not true. Why did you create the world, God? Including human beings, because God could and did. It's what God chose to do. It is a gift. We are here because God put us here. And in response, our lives are to be a living testimony of gratitude. Not only how we treat one another, not only in how we treat ourselves, but also in treating this planet, this world, with the care exhibited in Genesis chapter 1.
one of the kids, I will say this as a conclusion, lest we think that I'm on my own on this, this is my own opinion or whatever you want to call it. One of the children of our church, when we asked them, okay, well, what are some of the questions that you have when it comes to God? We didn't ask them to group these questions and organize them in a priestly account kind of way. Okay, here are the creation questions. Ask away. No, they just asked them independently. Then we grouped them. We collated them, and we decided, okay, well, this is kind of the, some of the themes, the questions we need to go with. But the kids didn't know that. They just asked questions they had. And one of those questions from one of these kids was, do you like what we are doing to the earth? Do you like what we are doing to the earth? Out of the mouths of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. Don't think for a moment that our children aren't paying attention. It is crucial that they understand from us clear as day that we believe God made the world as a gift. And we are called to take care of that gift the best we can. That wraps up this episode of Catechesis. Would love to hear what you think about Genesis chapter 1. You can even go into the other accounts of creation in Genesis 2 and beyond. Look us up on social media at Lewis and Broad on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let us know what you think there. We got the forum space, y'all. Love to get some feedback about what your thoughts on Genesis 1 are. Or for that matter, why Leighton is just flat out wrong in saying that she would rather it be ultra hot than cold. Unbelievable. My name is James Goodlett for Leighton Parker. We will talk to you next time. And as always, remember who and whose you are. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.